0: NFT. 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 NFTs.
1: NFTs. Non fungible tokens or NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is ZenChats. I am Zenica. Let's talk NFTs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of ZenChats. Uh, today I'm here with Robin, aka Supermassive. A.K.A. the Mister Beast of the Metaverse. <laughs> uh, he is a oh, you creator. just went straight I in really did. there. You went, you just went straight <laughs> in there. Like I have no rights to call myself
0: <laughs> that, but I'm going to get one day, it. one day in the end. Formerly head of video multimeter at the Defiant, but now yes, I should have included going that. elsewhere.
1: Uh, well, that's fine. In the future, we will be saying Mister Beast is the Robin of the real world. And anyway, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I'm setting expectations uh, too high. Uh,
0: that, that that's gonna be a that's gonna be a challenge. I think Mr. Beast has smashed it, and I think I know why. And it's taken me a while to figure out why because you look at him and you think,
1: uh, what, how? <laughs> well, let's let's Sorry. let's get into like the, the backstory a little bit. So you you are at yeah. the Defiant. Um, uh, what is your sort of history? What what is your experience? What were you doing there? And uh, yeah, how did how did you get here into Web three and NFTs?
0: Okay, so long story short, I I used to be a filmmaker, and I still consider myself a filmmaker, but now I'm more of a like a creator disruptor kind of figure. I don't even know what it is that I I am, but what I do know is that like just making stuff wasn't enough and I wanted to innovate around that. But I I went through this period from like the early 2000s when the first iMac could edit video. This is a huge moment. You've got these consumer camcorders, plug it into this shitty iMac that costs like (laughs) 1500 bucks, but it could edit video. Final Cut Pro 1, iMovie, and suddenly this this world of possibility opened up. And it seems nuts to think about it now. But that moment for me, I think it was the birth of YouTube. That moment that consumer video started to reach for cinema and it started to reach for a different place. So I went through that that whole phase of being like an early, I guess you could call it creator, shooting and editing my own stuff and learning how to do it. And then we started making skiing snowboard videos. I'm English, there are no mountains in England, but as it turned out, the English ski and snowboard scene was about to blow up and like the whole generation of talent was coming through. So we were part of that. And then we turned that into TV shows for the Extreme Sports Channel in the UK, got into like a whole bunch of different things, music videos, corporate films. We learned to set up a business. I mean, I had my first business at 22 and had no idea what <laughs> I was doing in a skill set that I didn't have yet as well, just kind of winging it. And then uh, just basically got really good at it. Learned to do all sorts of different things, um, including running the company. And then after about eight years of doing that, I just decided I I wanted to go freelance and pursue different things and became a music video director, commercials director. Directed a feature film, 2016, with my best friend, Jez. And and then I hit a wall. And the wall was kind of partly kid-shaped, but it was also just... Like, there's this expression, there's nothing worse than mediocre Mm -hmm. success. And I think I was there. Like that you go through these periods in your life where you 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 almost make it yeah. like so you win competitions and you get you you know as agents would say you get heat and I guess it's like when you're playing blackjack the deck gets yeah. hot you know so you you've got this moment do you capitalize on it or does it escape you and like four or five times it just got away and it wasn't necessarily because I wasn't ready or because I was lazy and I didn't realize what it was, but I think it was just because it wasn't actually what I was supposed to be doing. And so, you know, me being a filmmaker has always been about something that wasn't necessarily the the art of filmmaking. It was actually storytelling. And I I mean, I grew up a musician and I was always performing, but I didn't realize that that was what I was supposed to be doing until I started doing YouTube videos. And I was like, oh shit, I remember this. I was a chorister when I was a kid. I was always the one doing the solos. I loved it. I loved being on stage. So what has happened is that I figured out subconsciously how to make all of that make sense and figure out where all the money is. Cause, like in crypto, compared to like the real world, <laughs> like we know the money equation is so imbalanced, mm-hmm. it's insane. So, like, my subconscious was going, go over here, take the things that you love doing, add in a dash of this entrepreneurial thing, and then like just make the conditions right for something to happen. And so that's basically what I've been doing, but it was not intentional and it wasn't planned in any way, shape, or form. It's just kind of been this process of exploration. Crypto opened up as this world of possibilities where it was a very immature space, but storytelling was king. So it was like, how can I be a storyteller in this space and not just become a you know an empty shell or just someone trying to scam you? Like, where's where's the value in all of that? And that's kind of how we ended up like making videos for the Defiant. It's just like DeFi was nuts. Yeah. And so we're like, how do we tell this story in a way that's reflective of that, but also has a little bit of kind of the Bloomberg-y flavor in it. So you feel it's well-researched, but it also doesn't feel like it could be made any other way in any other space. So that's kind of how I've ended up here. Just mucking about that's awesome. getting hit in the face with
1: bananas, <laughs> but just having a, having a blast a it. I love it. that phrase. It sounds like, well, we'll get into sort of after the Defiant, but I've the videos you've done with the defiant they're very professional but fun it's like how i would kind of describe them they're very well produced high quality and they're sort of compared to 99.9% of the other stuff on youtube or wherever you see it's like it's just properly produced you can tell that there's people with experience like yourself working on it and what made you decide to leave the defiant because you've recently left well just just on that point of, of things being well produced
0: youtube is youtube right what matters is the, is the the content itself But like the, the content creator should be true to themselves. And like having spent 20 years making films and getting really good at it and learning how to make commercials, it's just what I enjoy doing. So if I didn't do it like that, I'd feel I just wouldn't want to do it. So for me, if we were going to tell these stories, I would have to bring in a piece of like the old stuff that I do. And then a lot of, a lot of my videos, 90% of it is just me sitting at a desk talking. And that's not because I can't do it any other way. It's because literally there isn't enough time. So we would always try and put like a minute at the beginning of a video where we just flex some creative muscles and and show how storytelling can can bring an idea to life. The other part of that is that DeFi inherently is quite dark. <laughs> this is true. It's quite hard, it's quite hard to wrap your head around. So figuring out a way to make all of that stuff interesting and come alive inevitably meant having to reach quite far for some kind of metaphor analogy that was physical and you could actually see. So when, you know, when we were talking about the merge, for instance, I sat and I thought, what is, how, how can I explain the merge to people who, who just don't, are not interested in it? They don't want to hear another, like, you know, yeah. dry explanation of how these two things happen. So I was like, we're mixing two things together. We're blending them. I got to Blender and I was like, what, tomato soup. <laughs> so it's like, we, we, we're going to do a whole video and just use tomatoes as the analogy for the merge because we can shoot beautiful images that you will remember and have fun playing with tomatoes and how we, we, we shoot that. And then it'll be this beautiful thing for what is a very beautiful piece of engineering and technology, but it won't be the dry thing you normally get. And that's kind of just how we span the idea of shooting with tomatoes. But like how would you get to tomatoes <laughs> from the merge? I mean, like, I love who goes that. there? But that's kind of, that's, that's the job we had. So why leave the Defiant? Well, I think bear markets are the great kind of rationalizers in the world. So after, you know, the excitement and the growth of the, of the channel during 2021, I think both Camilla and myself were thinking from opposite sides of this, like when we hunker down and we think about the Defiant brand, what is it? Where does it go from here? And it's very clear that the Defiant is a brand that's crystallized around the most trusted source of information for DeFi. Not necessarily the most hyped, but the most trusted. So that, you know, if you're getting fanboys and other channels, I won't name them, like really hyping (laughs) up like Ethereum, like where are you going to go and get like more rational and less hypey information and data? The problem is that the way I've made videos is quite biased and it's quite opinionated because that's who I am. And I wanted to have an opinion. And it's also like violently creative because that's what I needed to keep it interesting. And so it became, you know, clear to me that where I wanted to go and where the Defiant wanted to go, we're heading in different directions. And it's not like anything went wrong. It's just actually the Defiant needs to grow past me and be more of a kind of team rather than hinged on just one singular creator. So it was like we'd we'd gone past a hundred thousand subscribers and then really had to think, well, where do we go next? Oh, a million subscribers. I'm like, can I scale the Defiant video to a million subscribers and still keep it fun for myself when I know that the brand needs to go over there? And the answer was no. So so I, you know, then I began thinking about where I would go next and what I would do next. And like, the path opened up pretty
1: fast, to be honest. Yeah. You said it's sort of the path opened up pretty quickly after the Defiant and, and what you want to do. What does that look like? So
0: I've been thinking very carefully about PFPs, NFTs, the metaverse, and all of the things that I was kind of interested and excited about. And one of the things you have to remember is if you're, if you're a filmmaker, the thing you think about more than anything else is your audience. You think about who they are, how they congregate, how you build that audience, and how you keep giving them things that you want to give them. Because ultimately, the goal is to keep making things. And so having an audience built in, as we now know, if you're an influencer, that's very valuable to brands. It's very valuable, full stop. And so with PFPs, I've kind of thought there was a more wholesome, that's not the right word, a more interesting way of doing that audience dance than what I saw on social media, YouTube, TikTok. Cause I fundamentally don't like yeah. that. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons why, but, um, so I got really kind of interested in how that would work out. Cause back in 2017, I was always, I was already thinking about this and there was no PFPs back then. It was just NFTs and how they might benefit filmmakers. And I've always been interested in that, but then this whole PFP thing blew up. But I was also thinking about the issue of this four year cycle of Bitcoin. Like we, mm. we ride for like a year, 14 months, something like that. And it feels amazing. And then you get to this point where it, All of that goes away, and you as a creator have not changed. You and what you do have not changed, but the market has changed, and therefore you're in this position of like, defending and apologizing for the area in which everyone used to be really excited to hear what you had to say, and I hate that, and I just think that's unsustainable. So I was looking for a a sphere in which I could build out from what we did in Crypto and Web3 already but had a broader appeal and had a shelf life that would last beyond simply a year and then done. So the metaverse offers me that because it's it's a tech problem, it's a socio economic problem, it's an AI problem. Uh, it's it everything. can be a video game, but it, but it can be sports. It has a huge world of possibility. But here's the thing: when you think about the metaverse and people who make content in the metaverse, there's maybe three podcasts max that are specifically mm. about the metaverse. And you can guess what they are interviews with people. There's one actually that's, that's come up with, um, Mark Pesci, uh, who was like one of the first guys that ever built a metaverse 30 years ago. It's fascinating. Have to watch it. Um, but generally it's, it's just like. The well, Metaverse is a $20 trillion dollar opportunity. <laughs> well, uh, 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 yeah. Roblox, uh, Minecraft. Uh, All the buzzwords. Yeah, you know, really excited about it and how social, social presence <laughs> and VR uh, and, you know, it's a 3D rendered <laughs> environment in real time. With a social, like, okay, great. And, and turn yeah, off. What? Yeah. And, and here, here's the latest re- re- earnings report from Adobe. It's like, <laughs> great. I mean, a video just released a new card. Great. Uh, or it's, buy this land; it will go up a 1,000x. Yeah. Hey guys, I just spotted this new platform on Solana. It's gonna go up a thousand X. You have gotta buy this land before it runs out, man. You gotta trust me, trust me. It's so easy to build. It's like Unity Builder, man. Like you just jump into Unity, you can build anything you want.
1: Yeah, it's... you have a great career uh, so, in, in so impersonations. From... You got you got the accents and stuff down pat. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part. It's all part yeah. of the show, my friends. All part of the
0: show. Um. So so the thing that I re- I realized is like the there's a there's a kind of a massive gap in the metaverse market. Particularly when you think about like the amount of money that's been spent in the metaverse. So, you, I mean, just from a purely business perspective, just what is the opportunity here in a non saturated market? And does such a thing even exist on YouTube anymore? Well, it just it turns mm-hmm. out it does. It's just called the metaverse. And it, and the, the, the biggest asset and also the greatest thing about it is it's got a built in supervillain. Yeah. Like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> it just, it just, he just keeps on saying stuff. You're like, thank you very much. Thank you very I'll much. I'll take that. Just keep feeding, just keep feeding it, keep feeding it. And then everyone hates it. And all these, all the, all the journalists as one shit on Facebook, they shit on meta and they shit on everything he's doing. And I'm like, but What if he's right? And what does that look like? And then like, once you start thinking like that, it's just like, well, this could be really awesome and terrifying, of course. And then like the, the thing that really sort of cements it for me is I've got uh, two kids, one, eight and 10. And I watch them play Roblox and I watch their minds get blown by Minecraft. I'm like, everyone who's like a critic mm. of this just isn't thinking like an eight year old kid because that's the mindset mm. you need to go into it with. You need to, you need to kind of take yourself back to like the early nineties, or in my case, the late eighties <laughs> when you're a small, small little chap and like computer games are just the coolest thing ever. And like, you, you just, you had, you didn't care about all these other implications of this thing. That's who's going to take this stuff and, and run with it. So, so for me, it was just, okay, that's a really rich environment, but how am I going to approach this? How am I going to make a hundred thousand subscribers look like, like a one week target? And that's when you start thinking about the creator economy Mm. and, and how that's exploded during the pandemic and how. The audiences that these huge creators have are just so valuable and also just so kind of dysfunctional in terms of the relationship between the creator and their audience and how Web3 should be able to kind of make it less dysfunctional. I don't think it can solve it all, but it can make it less dysfunctional. And then suddenly you've got this heady mixture of all these different ideas and things. But the the scary thing is like to really make Web3 work in a meaningful way, it has to like scale up like massive because you can do like niche DAOs and mm. like really small scale things that high, high net worth, high power individuals coming together like constitution DAO, for instance, can do a lot, but it's very single kind very of laser focused and then done. Yeah. And, and it's like these communities come together and then they disperse. Whereas creators, it's a completely opposite thing. It's like, you got to have a kind of three year mindset. So you, you basically just have to think, like, how do I scale an audience to the largest size I possibly can? Because once I can get it scaled up, all the Web three kind of things that can really do some good actually start to to work because the network effects kick in, and you know that's that's something Imagine. you could be really really want. And I think crypto has done a really good job of nurturing the idea that small communities can punch above their weight, and I love that. I think that's absolutely true. But there's no doubt that the paradigm that we're in at the moment is bulk volume clustered around entertainment. And so for me, it was just, how do I attack the metaverse story in a way that's going to be like massively entertaining, which is actually hugely liberating and hugely expensive. (laughs) I can imagine. Funnily enough. Um, but like just thinking in terms of what is the, you know, if the story we want to tell is this, for instance, at the end of Worley, so, you know that film with a little robot? Yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen it.
1: <laughs> I fell asleep during Wall-E and I get a lot of shit for it, but I need to go back and properly watch well, it. Well, you should. <laughs> I need to you go back should. and it's watch awesome. it. It's awesome. But, uh, spoiler alert, at the end of Wall-E, like we spent
0: an hour and something minutes learning to love a robot that demonstrates immense humanity. And then we're confronted with human beings and they're just fat and they're stuck in these chairs that whiz them around and everything they need is Mm. served up to them. And they're basically just jacked into a machine. That's, I think what most people think the metaverse is. And yet when I'm in VR or doing anything metaverse related, it's incredibly physical Mm. generally. And so trying to take that idea and extend it as far as possible. So instead of just saying the metaverse is physical, how do I make that real? How do I make that into a story that's going to resonate with people? And particularly when you look at the new Pico headset for VR or the new Quest Pro, that's coming out. They're designed to allow people to spend seven, eight, nine hours in a headset comfortably. So they're much more ergonomically designed. To to uh, airflow's a thing, and hygiene's a thing. Like all of these are leading you down a path. And so it's like, how do I tell that story rather than just just saying, well, they've released a new headset because it's just not interesting. Who does this well? Top Gear. So like when Top Gear took on cars there was car review shows and they would kind of dry and you yeah. drive a car and no, they said cars are lifestyle. They're part of us. We, we merge with them. So let's go on adventures with our cars. And that's how Top Gear became Top Gear. Uh, it was just, you know, old men trying to <laughs> hold on to their youth, just going on adventures together and it really resonated. So I think there's, there's, there's all of that for, for the metaverse and it's a story that nobody's telling because they just don't think it's yeah. cool. But I, I do think it's cool and I'm not going to try and tell you it's cool. I'll just show you why it is. And then hopefully you'll have a good, good fun time understanding that. But like when, you know, when I say we have to scale up fast, it's like on the order of like get to a million subscribers in 12 months, kind of scale up fast, which sounds insane when you say it, but you know, that's kind of where we have to it's be. It's doable. So it is. It is. It's, it's a, it's a different, it's a different mindset, man. It's a very different mindset to this like, there's so much education out there. And I know that like, you make education. I used to make education. Nobody needs another no. educator. They don't need me to make more education on any of this stuff. I think the space in general just needs a different approach. So I'm trying to see if I can make that Entertainment. I, There's no guarantee of success, but like,
1: yeah. Or, or something, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I don't know. We'll I, see.
1: So I'm curious to know, well, I have, one question is totally off topic. And I want to know like, what your favorite video games were as in the late 80s and early 90s. And then, and then I want to know what your definition of the metaverse is. Because everyone says metaverse this, metaverse that. And I think different people have different definitions. But favorite video games and then, yeah, it's and then a good question. The metaverse to you.
0: So video games wise, uh, I was Game Boy. So Mario. Yeah. I played some really random games. and I, there was a, We had a Lynx as well. There was like a California Games on the Lynx. Love that! <laughs> I didn't even know what that is. And then like no, it's it was rubbish. Yep. But it was just like you could surf. It was just the most basic, but the links was color. Mm. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> nice. Um like my I guess what my 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 f- like PlayStation One games were like there was one called Olympic Soccer. It was just like it was just terrible, full of glitches, full of bugs, but it played great. We've got it over there. It's awesome. Like we pick it up and play it from time to time because it's like as a pure game experience for football. It's immense, <laughs> and it's like it's twenty five yeah. years old. It's garbage. No, it's older. Man, it's older yeah. than that. Wow, and we still play it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, and then Fallout, Final Fantasy Seven. Ff Seven. That's for me. So many yeah. hours lost to Final Fantasy Seven. God, that was a g- good game. Like when when you got to that point where like the spells would last yeah. twenty five <laughs> minutes. Not spells. It's just like I just be like, just be sitting there like. <laughs> loving yeah, it. <laughs> now we live in a generation
1: where the entire game lasts that, that, that long. You, if a game... Yeah, Yeah. exactly, right?
0: Yeah. That's cool. And then, and then the mm. metaverse. Uh, the metaverse is yet to be defined. I don't have a definition for it yet because I haven't found one that makes any kind of sense to me yet. There's lots of them around which are like, it's about social presence. It's the next phase of the internet. It's about a live, persistent, 3D environment. But like, all of that just falls mm. short for me so i'm i'm hunting for that definition and it would be wrong of me to claim that i have it and i and i know that there's definitions which don't do the definition thing but instead say what are the attributes mm. of a metaverse and that's to do with interoperability to do with like i said the the persistence so when whatever happens in that world when you come back it's it's mm. it's moved on without you and then like 3d that it should be built in 3d But beyond that, like so much of it's going to be about the interface layer, and that just that stuff is so immature right now. We don't know, you know. So to me,
1: I guess we're looking for the iPhone moment for the the metaverse. Yeah, Yeah, I look forward to that. To me, I always I think we've been like I don't have a strict definition either, but I feel like we've been in the metaverse for decades already. Like playing RuneScape or Second Life, or World of Warcraft, or just going onto an internet chat forum or IRC or whatever back in the day. To me, that's like that was a digital world that we were all living in and communicating around the globe. And it wasn't—I I don't know if that really counts—but to me, that—that that is the metaverse. We're already in the like we're in the metaverse right now. It's like you know we're not next to each other. We're we're in different countries and we're communicating.
0: Yeah, it's just a really it's a really shitty version of the yeah, metaverse. <laughs> and yeah. the, and the problem the, the problem is I think it's. It's become this thing a bit like NFTs where NFTs are an asset class. It's like no, yeah. they're not.
1: They're everything. They're
0: no, it's a technology yeah. layer. It's a, yeah, it's it's a piece of technology and the asset class is the is PFPs or it's you know digital art. That's an asset class, but NFTs, no. And if if you're confusing that, then go do some yeah. homework. And so, you know, the metaverse is everything, but there are instances on the metaverse which are cryptovoxels or decentraland or wilder worlds. That mm-hmm. makes sense to me entirely, but they're the kind of islands in the ocean, like, like the Maldives. They're just little yeah. pockets of just juiciness, and getting there is really hard. And yep. like, you know, getting supplies there and they're expensive mm-hmm. and difficult to maintain, and all these kind of things. And that, that's, that's where we are at the moment. But I, the, the metaverse itself was kind of built for real, like 30 years ago, and it was built by the military. So the military were trying to do training exercises before. This is before um, uh, the first Gulf mm-hmm. War desert storm, and they were they were kind of learning from previous battles, where the, you know, and they were trying to get tank commanders to to level up. So they built a sim, and that sim had all the attributes of a metaverse. And then they, you know, as all these things do, they the computers became cheaper, and they got VR involved. But the the actual birth of it was, yeah, it was back in the Late 80s, early yeah. 90s, which seems ridiculous now because you think how crap the tech must have been. But this was how far ahead of their time they were. And then it just didn't mm-hmm. take off. And there were so many reasons why it didn't take off, but primarily it was just they couldn't get the hardware to run what they needed to run at a consumer mm-hmm. level. And then finally, here we are where the consumer tech has caught up to the point where it actually could happen. And now we know that like it needs to be mobile and we'll probably have at some point, some kind of device that will inevitably become an implant. Mm -hmm. And like, we just have to get as a species, we have to get comfortable with the idea of implants and we're nowhere near that yet. But like, that's where it's going. So yeah, it's, it's a funky time. That's for sure.
1: Do you ever feel like afraid or scared about like a dystopian future that, you know, whether it is like WALL-E where we're all plugged into devices, but I guess I don't really see that happening because, like you said, the metaverse is very physical and, and a lot of these act, things are physical, but maybe more along the lines of we, we see like play to earn games. We've saw Steppen where it's like move to earn. I, I sometimes feel afraid that we're leading into a future where like every single second of our day is financialized and everything we do is like making a token, earning a token. Or if you're not doing it, you know, and then it's just like we're like hamster wheels running. Do, do, do you have concerns about that? Yeah, of course I do.
0: I mean, I, I I have this conversation with the kids but they they want to buy an expansion pack or they want to buy skins for their avatars in Roblox. And you ask them, why do you have to pay for it? Well, because that's how I get what I mm. want. And at the same time we're giving them pocket money and saying this is your money, go and buy something with it. Uh yeah, it it it's difficult. W- we we're putting together our first couple of films for the metaverse. And we're being very careful to to go on platforms where you don't have to buy Mm. land, where you can still build, you can build something and have that networked experience and having a a small scale build. It's, you still need to learn some unity to do it. Monaverse is a good example of that. Um, but you don't need Mm. to buy land. And I think that's incredibly important. There should be a a freedom of expression and creativity. Like Webiverse, I think is probably the closest we have to that very open Mm -hmm. source version of it. Um, but yeah, I, I have I I have a kind of strange faith in the human race to balance itself out, which is so that we get like a a net zero in all of this. Because yes, of course, there's going to be dy- dystopian components to it, and we're also as a species grappling with the very real possibility that AI will surpass. It's it. scary. Uh, and, and like yeah, and 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 you know, you have these conversations every day. Like, what has AI produced now. Oh, it's, it's video. A meta release, a press release saying they've created a text to mm-hmm. video generator You're using AI. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and like, uh, human being yeah. over here, like, uh, what? It's what, what, terrifying. What? And like you know, and it's like, yes, middle class, formerly kind of very secure jobs like accountants and lawyers are going to find themselves replaced Mm -hmm. by robots. Uh, this is, this is, this is real. This is very, very real. And, and so you, you have to take your two views on it. Either those human beings that are highly qualified simply give up, which I think is extremely unlikely or they Mm. adapt and we adapt and the species is going to evolve the way it's going to evolve. And there's a, you know, there's the Ray Kurzweil version of this where we, we merge with technology and it spins off a new species, which is in many ways, probably going to be superior to your kind of regular mm-hmm. old fashioned, hundred percent flesh. Um, and that introduces this dynamic, which is, you know, think about your pets. Now, human beings are the pets of these superior beings. That's, that's hard to that's, that's hard to think yeah. about. But it's inevitable. It's inevitable. When you think about where cybernetics are going, implants, all these kind of things, and AI, all this stuff, it's where we're going. And you can either run away from it and, and try and pretend it's not happening, or you can kind of be an architect of of how that happens. So I guess that, that's kind of where I sit in all of it. But like it does, it, it scares the shit out of me. Um, one of the things that I take comfort from is the fact that when anything pushes too hard in a certain direction, what you get is this very Newtonian force in the opposite mm-hmm. direction. So that as we are uh, becoming more and more sort of overwhelmed by technology, you get this equal and opposite thing, which is more in touch with like yeah. touch grass, you know, go and be more in touch with nature and more natural things rise up in response. And so it's just this push and pull constantly, but that doesn't take into account the fact that at some point the sophistication of AI, the intelligence will just outrun us. And at that point, well, we're just kind of stuck in the tsunami and just hoping
1: we don't die. Do you so, have an So everything's
0: yeah. going to be great. Everything's <laughs> going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be Do great. Do you have an idea
1: for when you, you predict that would happen? You know, is this like two to three years away, 10, 50, any gut inkling? Oh, listen, I, Everyone laughs at Ray Kurzweil
0: because he says it's going to happen by 2050. Mm. I may be misquoting him on that, but like, you know, the Transcendent Man he's
1: 2050, yeah.
0: Documentary, but he's he's like he's talking about 2050, and everyone's like, "No, it's ridiculous, you idiot! You're just an old <laughs> man." Like, I think most of Ray Kurzweil um, is now responsible for like his brain is responsible for like 50 percent of AWS usage or something like that. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm, co- I'm joking. I'm joking. But like he's probably he's you know, he's probably uploaded himself in some yeah. way. Um, he's all of us and but, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and and it's very hard to it's very hard to draw an exponential curve when it comes to the development of AI because we've just got no comparison mm. for it at all. But like now we can see with DALI, with mid journey, stable diffusion. Like even just this year, how rapidly that technology has come on, and how rapidly it's forced everyone to think differently. But that same technology is being used to diagnose Mm. cancer in patients, and it has been for quite some time. They've been using it in scans in oncology labs to detect um, cancerous cells, and and very successfully. But it, it, you know, it's like human beings hit a point where they can't learn anymore, but the AI just keeps getting. I hate to say smarter, but more capable mm-hmm. at the task that it's been asked to do. But that's very much a specialized AI model. Like the generalized AI model is the terrifying one where it can literally do mm-hmm. anything and it can become self-aware. Um I think we're a way away from that. But again, I think it will just go much faster than we think. Yeah. And
1: I think we're not as far away as, you as know, most the, people think. I, I I think it's happening sooner rather than later. It's I'm
0: Yeah, yeah and, and there's there's an optimistic view on this, which is the, the problems which are just simply too difficult for us to to solve like you know the climate mm-hmm. or immortality interplanetary travel and a, and a, well interplanetary travel can only happen yeah. if we're immortal or massively extended life cycles and if if an AI or a you know combination of synthesis of humans and, and robots can happen and i fundamentally believe it it will and can um then yeah instead travel becomes it's it's a doddle because all you need to do is just get on the spaceship and go and then it's a it's a a psychological game at that point but if you just go to sleep or whatever um then yes and then we've colonized the galaxy because we
1: have and then wow, (laughs) this is amazing we started with defy we ended with immortality and interplanetary travel and uh Let's let's bring it back to the 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 YouTube side of it and uh, what you're gonna be like the videos you're gonna be creating. You said you're working on a couple already. Can you share some of the ideas or things that we might be able to expect? I can share I can share a little bit. Yeah. So so ba- the company's called Based AF,
0: and it's a very deliberate choice of name because Based is literally means being true to yourself. It's kind of street mm-hmm. slang, but that in, in the in the context of the metaverse where we can be any avatar we want. We could be any identity we want. That idea of being Mm -hmm. true to yourself deep down and carrying that with you no matter what, I think is very important. So basically, and it also just doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it's kind of punky as well. So, so our our challenge is just to come up with crazy ideas that will work in the metaverse. And some of them will be massive and, and a lot of them will be kind of sports focused. And that's, uh, there's kind of a reason for that. But, mainly it's to do with the fact that the the image around the metaverse tends to be very game focused and very virtual reality mm. focused. And so to try and make it physical and real and sports-like um feels a good kind of counterfeit to that um or mm. counter narrative to that, I should say. Funny enough, when when Zuckerberg went on Rogan, they talked for about 10 minutes about the physicality of VR and how Zuckerberg's training MMA everyone laughed at him and then they saw the videos. It was he's like, good. Oh shit. He's no, he, you know, he's real. <laughs> he's actually, well, I wouldn't say he's good, but like he, he can smack. So yeah. So, and, and Rogo was like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I want, I want to, f- I want to fight someone because then I don't have to get my face mm-hmm. beat up, but I want to, I want to fight someone. So it was like, yeah, that's it. Like fitness, physicality and social presence are a real thing. And you may not necessarily want to work out that way, but it's definitely, there's going to be a ton of people who are buying wearables for fitness and sticking trackers on their shoes and wearing heart rate monitors who are into this shit and into the data. Mm -hmm. And this is just the next part of that. That makes total sense. So we're doing a lot of that. We're also doing like crazy stuff. I mean, I, I can't tell you, But like, (laughs) but like, what would like, just think about what would Mr. Beast Mm -hmm. do? in the metaverse. Like how would we take the kind of things that he comes up with those challenges, but make the metaverse ready. And I'm hoping that nobody can come up with anything because that means we're doing a good job of figuring this stuff out. But, um, what, what the great blessing that we have is the technology to serve the metaverse is accelerating at a pace. That's just hilarious. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, there's so many duff pieces of tech that that people are going, Oh, this would be good (laughs) for the metaverse. It's like all those NFT display devices. You're just like, yeah. yeah, like what is it? So we can have fun, kind of looking at those and and testing them out, and then you know, in ten years we'll look and go, oh man, we were so far <laughs> off. But all of that stuff is that's pretty nice. Um, so we'll we'll have some more kind of sidebar-y stuff where it's like, well, we did this with this piece of technology, but you know, fundamentally, the the, the main thing we want to do is take an idea to the very extreme we can. Whether it's to do like maybe it's a dating show, maybe it's uh. Maybe it's some motion capture. I have my motion capture helmet. That's very cool. So this is this is this is the helmet that I have to wear to in our motion capture studio, which we're building Mm -hmm. over there. Because like digital characters and and having full control over digital characters is really important, but that's very expensive. Mm -hmm. So we just took the ApeCoin airdrop (laughs) and invested it in um in a motion capture studio, because that was the right thing to do at the time. Um but that will basically mean I can take a character like an ape or a a meebit, pilot it in real time. And be that character in a in Unreal Engine, it's amazing, and just present a show or present like a TikTok or something, but without it, without having to be like this whole CGI mm. animation pipeline and all the stuff post production. No, it's just like just go. Um, so so stuff like that, and then you
1: know we've we've got. I mean, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> well, uh, it is off. very exciting. When are you planning on launching? When can people? watch these videos, and what's the call to action? How can people follow along and, and keep up to date? Yeah, good, good, good question. So we are grown doing a PFP collection, but there's
0: a very specific reason why we wanted to have a PFP collection, and it's because we need a core audience that will be our superfans. And the idea of superfans is, su- is super important because there's a piece of the crazy economy that we think is missing. At the moment, it's build an audience, monetize mm-hmm. the audience. And if I'm Mr. Beast, I'm monetizing the shit out of my audience by selling them burgers, by selling them chocolate bars. But where's the bit that doesn't make sense in all that? It's I, creator, selling you stuff. You're buying it. Oh, by the way, you're also watching my videos, which means I can sell you Mm -hmm. stuff. How does the audience benefit from any of that? So there's this third pillar that we talk about, which is share the spoils. So build an audience, monetize the audience, and then share the spoils. In order to figure that out, I need like a hardcore group of super fans that will experiment with me during this early phase because we can. Like any other established creator right now would just not be in a position to be able to do that. So what we want to do is figure out this third pillar, build the share the spoils pillar for the creator economy, and then just give it to anyone who wants it. Like it shouldn't be ours to Mm. own, but like someone has to do the hard work of figuring this stuff out. And like I said, the stuff that we want to do doesn't work unless we're at scale. So, we have to have build this system where we can incentivize people to come and be part of that journey with us, be our super fans, be what we like to call full time fans. Because if they're doing work, i.e., watching video, then they should be rewarded for that in some way. The trick, this is the <laughs> bit that I insist on do not add a shitcoin. Do not just airdrop NFTs. Now, we can airdrop NFTs. Great. Don't add yep. a shitcoin. If you take the shitcoin away, it gets really hard but that's the point it should be hard and that's why we have the nft community because they will they are crazy enough the people in nfts are crazy enough to actually try and figure this stuff out and they have to be in the trenches with us and like if they are awesome so so that's what we're doing that drops first week in november we haven't decided on a full date mm-hmm. we won't we won't announce it until probably 24 hours before it's happening so if you miss it, you miss it. But like, we're not going to do an extended mm-hmm. build up and whitelist it. No, it'll just drop when it drops. Then first video is a special that's going out end of November. It will be physical. It will be for me absolutely horrific. <laughs> it's going. To, I'm I'm in training right now and I I'm getting I'm getting marmalized honestly. <laughs> and then in December we have a special which is only for uh, our PFP community, so they will participate in something where they could win quite a lot. Very quite exciting. Lot. So think about Mr. Beast. What does he do? <laughs> what does he do? And how would we do that in the metaverse? That's kind of yeah. a clue. Uh, and we're going to do that as our kind of Christmas special. And then in the new year, we'll be doing videos fortnightly for the main channel, but doing all this other stuff in shorts, in um, spaces. we was be doing a whole bunch of metaverse-related content to pick up the stories, but the, the big tent poles will be going out fortnightly because to do it any more regularly than that will yeah. just kill us. Well, this is very
1: exciting I I can't wait honestly I think the space needs something like this not just for the fun and enjoyment of it all but if we want to go mainstream and sort of attract you know millions and millions and billions of people nfts and crypto needs to seem less niche than it currently is it needs to be more than just money and DeFi and trading and pfps it needs to be like i love how you you're, you're going with the sport approach because there are so many people out there that are passionate about sport and have zero interest in nfts or the metaverse but if they see that w- those worlds merge together then all of a sudden it'll like potentially something will click and they'll they'll begin to understand the power and and all of it so it's it's awesome what you're doing i'm a huge fan already and i can't wait to see Everything you do. Oh, thanks.
0: Well, we can fall on our yeah, asses. <laughs> we all That's can. fine. But I think that there's one thing, there's one thing I've learned from the last two years, particularly with the defiance. Like, that even if like nobody can get to the office because of COVID or the trains aren't running, we can still make content and we can still get it out there. So like that has been like, just one of those great kind of learning experiences. Like, what is the minimum viable product for a content creator? It's, it's a yeah. live stream. Like just get on a stream and talk. So as long as we have that, then we're good. And some, some weeks, some stuff just won't work. We know that some stuff will just be impossible. We also know that, but like the, the fun of exploring the rules around the metaverse and exploring where this thing can go. And then when you look at the paucity of content that's out there, it's really exciting. I want to leave you on one one other thing, which is, I guess the ambition for what we're trying to do is again, it goes back to the early nineties. It's like, mtv so mtv shows up and that's like early 80s to be fair but it really got it into its stride in like the early 90s but like this idea that like there was no way to watch music videos back then like pop culture youth culture didn't really have a platform like metaverse culture doesn't really have a platform right now so in our minds we're like that early that janky that like just insane but that's what the metaverse feels like it's like it's the place where jackass could be born it's the place where the real world or cribs or pimp my ride could be born And like if we can be the way that that happens but in a metaverse context then i'll i'll be very happy so that's kind of the ambition for what we want to do like mr beast of the metaverse sure but like
1: mtv of the metaverse that's the big there's idea. some fun wordplay there mtv metaverse all the right letters are there i don't know it's like it was to meant to be. But look,
0: seriously, look at look at YouTubers now, like AirAc. Like, or again, Mr. Beast, like all the stuff they're coming up with, it feels like early nineties mm-hmm. MTV. It's crazy. It's just reality formats just done in a more caffeinated history repeating way for a for a, yeah, for a very kind of like an audience that can't really pay attention <laughs> yeah, to anything. We're, we're in the TikTok generation. <laughs> we just
1: are. We're in these attention spans have just dissipated and that's where we are, and that's life now.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like that era of just shouting and just speaking really fast. And just, I think that's God, I hope so. And there's like, and in like, there's just a general exhaustion of that. And you're starting to see different types of stories get told and different types of creators come through that are more human and less like just copying what Mr. Beast has done. Um, like Ryan Trahan's a really good example of that. He's really found his footing is like, just this really simple, but really elegant storyteller. It's great. I love that. That's stuff. amazing. It's not who yeah. I am, but like, I don't need to be, he's got that corner, but we will lean into the storytelling and, and keep retention through
1: other means than just shouting at you for I love minutes. it. All right, Robin, this has been a pleasure. I could genuinely chat to you for hours and hours and hours, and I'm sure we will in the future. I wanted to, I wanted to get in your
0: thread. That you wrote today oh, uh, about Renga. Oh
1: yeah, that one. Uh, God, that was a couple of days ago. I I wrote about what did I write about? <laughs> I create so much content now. You're writing about you're writing about Renga, and you're writing about specifically the
0: the less you say, the better. It oh is. yeah, sometimes. And you having a deliberately vague roadmap. Yeah. Yes. And 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 but that, I mean, that's that's all of crypto, to be honest. The less you know, mm-hmm. the better it is. But also like finding that fine balance I I also feel the same way which is those who are not confident overshare Mm. and those who are confident share nothing and that really you really see that right you really see those who those who are completely in control and know what they're doing yeah, you don't get any information but like that's because they're really good at what they do. And I thought that was, yeah. you know, I hadn't really seen anyone say that before, but I feel exactly the same way. And it's it's something I'm thinking about for our drop. It's a really it's like, good take. What can I get away with just it being me? Am I enough? Mm. Like, How much of the artwork do we show? How much of the story do
1: we reveal? How much of the intention, yeah. the utility do we reveal? Honestly, not much. That's exciting. How can how can people follow along? What's the best way? Is it follow you on Twitter? Uh, just follow me. Yeah, just follow me. I'll, I'll be... Just verbal diarrhea and crap out <laughs> of it. What's your Twitter next handle? Next month.
0: It's I am supermassive. All right.
1: At I am supermassive. We'll have that's a link it. in the show notes below and everything. So, yes, that's the one. Awesome. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Any, uh, no,
0: absolutely. Well, I don't know if you saw, but in the, uh, there was a recent article listing the 75 most influential NFT heads, and you were I three. did not
1: see that. That's so very cool to see. I need to share that with <laughs> I appreciate you.
0: Appreciate that uh i was
1: just like who's number yeah, one and 2 do Be- <laughs> no, Don't <I'm> kidding
0: <laughs> one is people oh, wow. okay and two is Murat pak that's an
1: interesting number two interesting
0: i know it i i mean i don't want to sort of do you a disservice <laughs> here but it feels like it was written by someone that may not yeah. necessarily know everything uh beanie was also yeah that's
1: there, <laughs> is- that's a whole other story I mean, that's
0: that's that's a whole all right thing. digging into
1: it was yeah, not a good that. call let's let's stick with the uh, number three yay <laughs> um no but that's good I, man that's good number oh three, yeah i'm stoked oh hang on a second you, am i yeah yeah oh no. no am i gone you're number nine you're just after pranksy oh. so look
0: you've you smashed it <laughs>
1: top 10 top 10 i'm still happy with that pranksy is is uh, massive obviously and uh very influential yeah yes um there you go. Yeah, no, appreciate it. And uh, everyone go uh, follow Robin on Twitter. Keep an eye out for everything coming out based AF. It's going to be based AF. It's going to be epic. It's yeah. going to be the bomb.
0: It's, it's going to be, be the bomb. bomb. It is. When, when we hit base yeah. mode, it's a handle, it's a hand, there's literally going to be a handle on the wall when we turn it down. Oh, there's a little bit of alpha base there. Mode. That sounds... And, and all the knickers will drop. <laughs> I mean, it's literally, that's all it's, that's all it's for. That's going
1: to be the, right there at the end, that line is going to be what we put at the front of this episode. <laughs> that's exactly. It's like Robin hit
0: the cancellation <laughs> button uh, to, right at the end of the episode. And that was it. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> Good, night. Good night. All
1: right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Zen Chats with Zeneca. Please consider subscribing to the podcast so that you are notified of future episodes. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel for the video version of this episode. For even more podcasting fun, check out the other podcast I co-host, Two Board Apes. If you enjoy my content, please consider joining us at Zen Academy, a place where anyone, anywhere, at any level can learn about NFTs and Web3. All of the links are in the description below. I'll catch you next time.